0: Everyone, it's Debbie McGee, known as the lovely Debbie McGee. It's my brand new podcast, Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee, in which you will find out whether I'm really lovely or not, or whether it's just a myth. But I hope that you'll join me every week to hear different stories from my life you know, what motivates me, what's happened to me, who I've met, and uh, how I met my late husband, Paul Daniels. That's in Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee. Spill the Tea podcast with Debbie McGee. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee. And I'm literally sitting here with a cup of tea actually, hoping I won't spill too much. Um, Really relaxed and it seems strange because on lots of days during lockdown, you feel quite anxious. I've talked to lots of my friends and I think we're all going through the same. It's to do with every day's the same, we can't plan, so we can't look forward to anything, you know, even ideas for work. There are loads of things you can think of, but, you know, there's nothing you can do about it yet. So um, I thought I'd just talk to you, you know, just for a chat, really, and um, some of the things I want to chat about are stories. I'll tell you a couple of other stories from my life, but I was talking to my nephew yesterday, whose most of his work is completely gone. He's a magician. And um, we were chatting. And during the conversation, we both sort of gave each other quotes kind of to help with coping. And um, it was interesting that we'd both read something um, last week that was almost exactly the same. It was giving the same message. And it was about... You get motivated by doing things, not thinking about them. And action gets you excited, and action can reveal opportunity. Now, it seems just such a a little thing, and everyone go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, but. I realized in lockdown, I've had certain weeks where I'm completely motivated and you know, they're doing loads of stuff. And then I'll have another week where I'm really not and I just really want to sit down with a cup of tea and watch telly all the time. But as soon as I make that move and go into the office and start on something, I actually get quite excited and I get things done and then I'm feeling better. And I've had a really good week this week because I've done that every day even if I have felt oh but yeah I think I'll have another coffee in the morning and sit down and watch a bit more of the you know the news or whatever um I've said no no come on I have my coffee get ready for the day and um then get started and I've got through lists and lists of things so if you're feel like you're like I've been is that you do have lots of times where you just you feel quite tired actually and you think well you know I haven't done anything to make me tired but once you start moving and doing something even if it's cleaning a bathroom it's amazing how much better you feel the other thing is we're all always reading and that you have to believe in yourself um but something I read this week which I had to really think about was Um, before you can believe in yourself you have to believe yourself Um, which is a weird one isn't it but it actually is really clever because that's really true that um, you know we all know that you have to believe in yourself that you've got the ability to do something but actually it's just you have to believe yourself that you are able to do it before you can believe in yourself. And I'm one of those people that thinks, you know, if someone else can do it, I can do it. Now, this isn't true of everything. And I've tried lots of things. But you know, I'm no good at crafty stuff and decorating and things. Um, But I've had a go. And actually, you often have quite a lot of fun. But Something I also read this week that really interested me is it said that um, I was reading a thing and of course everybody in lockdowns lives have changed and lots of people are really kind of going into themselves and thinking what do they really want in life that you know now they're working from home they don't want to do the horrible commute to a city every day again but how can they not once we all go back to normal and in the book I was reading it said the the way to really find out what you really want to do is to not watch telly. Well, they said for a month, I think that would be quite hard for all of us in lockdown. But, you know, to at night not get into a routine of, OK, I'll have my dinner and then I'll sit down and watch TV is to not put the telly on. Well, maybe just try it for one night and pick up a book and either read a novel, which takes you away from everything or learn something. And um, I kind of have always lived my life, Um, all my friends tell me I'm the most positive person they know, Um, that I always think that things happen for a reason, if you didn't get the job you wanted or, you know, the partner you wanted, or you're not meeting somebody, it's because it's not meant to be, so um, whenever anything's happened to me in my life, well in my earlier life when I was auditioning for lots of shows, if I didn't get them, I didn't feel rejected. I just always thought, no, I'm not meant to do that job. And, um, you know, something else would be around the corner. Now, it happens, if you believe in that, it really does happen. And actually, it takes away so much of the stress. And I mean, for instance, last year, well, I was very lucky. I was getting loads of work and um, I had a couple of auditions for musicals. And one of them I really, really wanted. It was in the West End. And I, I worked really hard and learnt the script. And I went and did the audition. I, I actually felt I'd given my absolute best. So if I got the job or not, um, you know, it, I really had done my best. But I really wanted that job. And um, actually I didn't get it. But just like two weeks later, um, I got offered the Christmas Strictly special, which I won now, if i 'd got the job I went for that I was disappointed about i wouldn 't have been able to do the Christmas strictly special, so um, you know it 's all that juggling balls it 's oh well, okay, you didn 't get that job or something that you really wanted, and also there 's another thing as well is how many times have you gone for an interview for a job or something where because you really want it you 're really, really nervous um and so therefore you don't do your best you know they always say about golfers you know they have to learn to be the calmest people on the planet um because you know if they get nervous their game goes and um I've talked to loads of people about going for job interviews, and they say, "Yeah, the ones we go for that we're not really bothered about are usually the ones we get because we're so relaxed because we're not really bothered whether we get it or not." And it's how do you have that mindset when you go into something that you really do want? But um, my way of doing it is to say, "Well, if I'm meant to get it, I'll get it, and if I, if I don't." <laughs> then I won't. So um anyway, there's a few little little tips for you. Um on Debbie's lockdown tips. And um I know you know lots of people financially it's really tough at the moment. Um another way that I always um think is I always believe I can get out of the situation. Um again, it's this word believe. And you know when you're really Well, I'll share a story with you. Many, many years ago, um, Paul and I were in New York. We'd been working, my late husband, Paul, of course. And Paul developed severe claustrophobia. It actually was caused by he'd got an underactive thyroid that hadn't been diagnosed, but it was severe anxiety and claustrophobia. And so when we got to the airport to fly home, First of all, we'd had a couple of days where he couldn't sleep in the hotel room. He kept going downstairs and going for a walk through the night and round the lobby because it was bigger. And um, so, you know, I was concerned about him. Um, And then we went to the airport and he really wasn't himself. He kept falling asleep. And then we went, we checked the luggage in, we got on, went to go to queue up to get on the plane. And he suddenly had this really big anxiety attack that he couldn't get on the aircraft with claustrophobia now I knew he'd had claustrophobia about 25 years before that and had gone to a phobia specialist who'd cured him so I thought right this is the claustrophobia really hitting in again um I had to ask them to get all our luggage off I'm gonna have a sip of tea everybody if you've got one have a sip too tried not to slurp (laughs) um and so So I got all the luggage off. So I had to book a hotel near New York airport and then think of a way to get home. Now, they told me that all commercial flights, there was no way I could go to a doctor and get him, you know, a shot of Valium or something that would send him to sleep uh, because they won't let you get on the plane unless you're awake. Uh, so I thought, right, well, we cut, ca- not you know, we can't get home on a commercial plane. And then um, I was thinking, right, so cruise ships go from New York back to Southampton. And it was April. And I found out, on, and this was on the Friday that we'd checked into this hotel, that there was one cruise ship going back to England on the Monday. So I... Phoned the cruise cruise line office in New York on the Friday, and they said, "No, we can't. We're not allowed to book you from here because you're not resident in the United States. So you have to wait for the cruise line office in London to open on Monday morning, and book your ticket then and see if there's actually a cabin available." So I got up at you know five o'clock in the morning because of the time difference um, to, and I rang. And they, I said I needed something that was quite big because of Paul's claustrophobia. But they said, no, we haven't got anything, but we have got a, a cabin with a balcony. Um, so I was able to book it. Now, just I had to really think sideways. And, you know, Paul wasn't very well and it was affecting him a lot. So it was a really hard thing to do. But, you know, otherwise, how on earth... Can you get home and I was thinking okay maybe I have to mortgage the house and rent a private jet because then you can have a doctor you know inject them so they can be asleep and get on the plane you know on a stretcher or something Um, there's always a way out of a situation and so I hope just telling a little story like that might make you just whatever your problems are at the moment um, you know think outside the box and just believe yourself whatever situation you're in you will be able to come through it somehow and your life might have changed you know you might have had to sell your house or whatever but you'll still be alive and so will your family hopefully you know if we all get through without getting the virus um you know that life's for living and sometimes life changes for the better even though at the time it wouldn't be what you choose but perhaps that's meant to be um so I've thought a couple of little stories from my life that uh, I'd tell you is um, some of you who are old enough to remember the Gulf War. Um, I had, as I've told in a previous podcast, I was stuck in Iran during the revolution and went through, you know, quite a few hairy things, you know, not least getting stuck at the airport thinking I wouldn't get home. Um, but during the Gulf War, Paul knowing that I had been through that and didn't want to go back to the Middle East for a long time um I was at home one day and the phone rang and it was a journalist from the Daily Mail who said and um hello Debbie Um, what do you think about your husband Paul going out to meet the soldiers in the Gulf War and very naively because I didn't have time to think I said Paul going to the Gulf war? No, no, you've you've got it wrong. You better ring his manager, and he said no, no, no. I I've got it on, you know, good authority that you know he's flying out the week before Christmas to um they weren't allowed to entertain the troops because of it being the middle east and it was a special religious holiday so he wasn't allowed to take any tricks or anything but he was just going to go out and you know try and help cheer them up the week before christmas and it was just before the war started Um, so anyway as i was putting the phone down I looked around and Paul was standing at the door and he'd over- overheard the conversation. He went, uh, yes, darling. Well, I've been waiting for the right moment to tell you. But yes, I have agreed to go. But, you know, don't worry about me. I'll be fine. Uh, but I just feel I want to do this for the military because they're all, you know, going and fighting for us, leaving their families, not knowing if they'll ever see them again. And, um, you know, they're going to be there for Christmas. So, of course, I said, OK, well. This isn't the end of the story because Paul flew off. Now, I wasn't watching the news, so I didn't see it. But Paul's mother and father, um, we told them that he was just working away, but we hadn't said where because we didn't want them to be worried because his dad had had a stroke and with parallel paralyzed down one side so we we were trying to kind of keep it from them but suddenly the phone rang and it was Paul's mum and she said Debbie where did you say Paul was working this week and I was going oh um I can't remember and she said because we've just seen him on a tank out in the gulf going across the desert with the soldiers on the news <laughs> so of course I had to tell her so anyway they were fine about it so um it was The day before Christmas Eve, and I get a phone call from Paul, and he said, uh, hello, darling. He said, I'm really sorry about this, but the um, aircraft I was meant to come home in um, has been seconded off on some mission, Um, so um, I don't know if I'm going to get home for Christmas. Well, obviously, that was very upsetting, but I thought, if he can't, he can't. And then I got a phone call at two o'clock in the morning saying, right, I've hitchhiked on the the runway and I found a plane it's going to Germany and then they're going to um, organise another aircraft that will go from Germany to Breis Norton which is a military airbase and he said "Uh, so can you pick me up there at five o'clock in the morning and that was on Christmas Eve Um, so that's what I did and um, got him home for Christmas but I will say that that Christmas wasn't the same as all of our other Christmases. It was in that we had all the family round and the usual and it was lovely. But Paul and I had stayed up talking because of, he felt so sad that he'd left young soldiers who got young, young families and A, never knowing whether they'll see them again and certainly not being home for Christmas. And one of them that he got to know quite well Gave him a letter that he asked Paul to give to his wife, just in case he didn't make it home. And even telling you that story, um, you know, inside, I I feel quite emotional. And I really do get upset when people um, attack our military, because, you know, we're safe, because they do so much for us. And um, I know they've chosen to do the job. But still, I would prefer that we had them and a police force uh, than not. So now for a funny story, um, which is that um, when I met Paul, (laughs) um, he wore a wig. And it was a very good one, I have to say. And I can remember the first show I did with him and, you know, there were 10 dancers. And when one of them first said, you know, he wears a wig, we all kept looking, we couldn't see it. Um, Because Paul was very clever. He had more than one wig and he used to, they used to grow. (laughs) And then he had a a short one as if he'd been to have his hair cut short. Well, you know, year, I always said he didn't need to wear it. He started wearing it because when it came into show business, uh, you know everyone was young, and he was quite young too, but he was losing his hair quite early, so he started wearing a wig before he needed to, so that no one would notice. Um, and anyway, so years later, um, you know, eventually he did decide, well, yeah, I'm old enough now not to wear it, and took it off. And um, that same week was when Chernobyl blew up and the front pages of the Sun and a few of the other papers was all about Paul ditching his wig and Chernobyl was on about page three and we could just couldn't believe that we thought that was unbelievable and then Paul decided he'd auction it for make some money for one of his charities Uh, so he put it on eBay and he got twelve hundred pounds for this old monkey wig. So um that was the last one that he wore, I think. So there we are, a little a little wig story for you. So I hope you've enjoyed my ramblings and my little lecture at the beginning. Um I'll be back with some more spill the teas with Debbie McGee. But until then, everyone, do stay safe. I haven't got my false teeth in this morning. And um sending you all loads of love and a big, big Virtual hug. Spill the tea podcast with Debbie McGee.